Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. And today, we once again have Forrest Richardson, the Safety Division Director for Fit for Work, who is also a certified safety professional. And today, it's a Frequently Asked Questions episode in which he's going to be talking about what are the three best areas that you can get the best bang for your buck in helping to invest your money so you can reduce any chance of fines from OSHA. So really great episode with some great information. And we want to thank Forrest for joining us today. Forrest, welcome back again to an episode of our Frequently Asked Questions. And again, we're going to be focusing on the safety realm. And relative to OSHA's 2020 top 10 that we covered a couple weeks ago, what are the top three general best bang for your buck items that employers can do to prevent getting cited under any of these topics that we've discussed? That's a great question. And again, you know, you have to kind of frame that in context. So, you know, if all businesses have limited funds, limited resources and things like that, but in this context, you know, say you're, you're really, you either don't have any significant money to invest in your safety and health program, but you are concerned that you want to do something or you have a, maybe a range. And we're talking about somewhere between, you know, anywhere between five and maybe as low as $30,000 to get the biggest bang for your buck, something like that that's going to really move the needle for you. So primarily, I really look at focus on safe activities, not just inspections. So say you're one of the employers or the probably everybody can do this uh, from a financial standpoint, and you really want to make a move on the needle and address things and why things are done. Focus on safe activities, not just inspections. Why do we say that? Well, Number one, if it looks unsafe, it's probably not in compliance. So, you know, um, you don't have to have specialized training for that. You just kind of have to look at things and say, hey, this just really doesn't make sense. Address anything involving manual material handling or musculoskeletal disorders, you know, from just a best practice standpoint. That's where we see, you know, a, a significant percentage of injuries and comp claims and those associated costs that are dragging down the bottom line. Um, housekeeping is directly tied to every aspect of your environmental health and safety program. Recommend kind of doing walks, doing gimbal walks to identify hazards, look for waste and improve efficiency. So a lot of folks may not know what a gimbal walk is, but it's an opportunity for staff to stand back from their day-to-day tasks to walk the floor or their workplace to identify wasteful activities. Anywhere where you're having overproduction, underproduction, you've got materials in different places where they don't need to be, it's that kind of an idea. The objective of that walk is to understand the value stream of where your processes creates most of its value, its problems, rather than review results or make superficial comments. So you're really looking at identifying waste and just different things. You can tag things out that need to be you know, sold to third parties to make a little bit of money on those products, things that are creating hazards and slips and maybe environmental issues, those kinds of things. Yeah, I was just wondering, when it comes to material handling, is it because the need and the cost, you're not doing a whole machine, you're really just doing a little bit more training and communicating with the staff? Absolutely. We're talking that hip pocket right there on the floor. Hey, you know, you need to kind of use this piece of equipment to handle this, or you need to kind of have this movement, or, you know, we talk about the the six steps to safe lifting and, and, you know, those kinds of things that don't cost a whole lot of money to implement. And also from a housekeeping standpoint, 
all of those things, the waste and the trips and the slips and the falls and the glass on the floor at the stairs, they're all creating all these things. You can basically clean your house and really make money from some of that stuff if you really look at it. That's the other value of doing like a Gimba type walk. I would say the second thing would be to budget for priority safety needs. A lot of times we just don't have time to figure out what we need. You know, when you're looking at which one do you budget for, well, go with the worst first. You know, where are you seeing your people get hurt the most? Where are you experiencing the most cost related to having to deal with that? We already mentioned manual material handling. On average, that's where people are getting hurt. And it's those small muscle strains and sprains that are getting out into the medical system and get more and more difficult once they go over that dam. The second thing is, and I'm going to use some examples, like fall protection. So wherever we have folks that are exposed to leading edge work unprotected, well, even if it's not very frequent, so don't get caught up in frequency of exposure or how often they're, they're exposed to that fall hazard. Look for all of it. You know, what is the one task that they might do, you know, once a quarter, once semi-annually or an annually, but could either create a catastrophic injury, which is lost time, hospital, worst case scenario, a fatal fall. So, you know, look at the worst first. And I would go by frequency and not, you know, highest frequency, highest consequence that you can see. And then another one would be like lockout, tagout. You know, hey, th those are challenging programs to, to develop. So if you're looking for where you need to get a bang, best bang for your buck, maybe having support and going through there and getting all those lockout, tagout procedures tuned up and, and mocked up for your folks will move the needle. Now you address that risk. Now it just becomes a training and a reinforcement issue. Is this something that people could even look back at that top 10 list and say, okay, this isn't one of our things. This isn't one of, if they need some organizational tips on, and where to start looking back for these safety needs. You could use the, I mean, the, the top 10 list is, you know, used like that as a kind of a, a signpost of just kind of what OSHA is seeing. So it's always a good place to kind of start. And then comparing that with your industry or your, your work site, your region, if you will, and say, okay, with our processes, are we doing anything in this top 10? You know, that's a, that's a good place to start. But again, you know, you eventually you have to justify spending money on something. So you got to look at where the money is going. So, you know, always go to your comp, always go to your, the OSHA 300 log is, again, it's a lagging indicator. It's already happened, but it'll give you a snapshot of what has happened in the last three to five years. But also, you know, our, our listeners are very intuitive. They kind of know what's going on for the most part in their facility and, and they know where kind of some of these risks are. So when I say budget for priority safety needs, just kind of look at the worst first for your industry, your processes, tie that in with where the money and the expense is going and start on the first one and then work your way back to the second worst first. The last one I would say is strategically is invest in job safety analysis or, you know, they might be called job hazard analysis. Why do I say that? Well, they're 100% tied to hazard identification prevention of injuries, which is what OSHA's mandate is for employers, and training. You know, why do we say that again? Well, it designs safety into the job. You get to know the job. And any manager, supervisor, employee, they got to know the job, especially when you have turnover and things with not just line employees, but managers and supervisors. It supports training efficiency, so you gain efficiencies there, and compliance. One thing I would recommend is, you know, when you're doing your training and things like that, document, document, document date, time, topic, who led it, and a written quiz for training to prove that they understood it. So if you're looking for your biggest bang for the buck, those would be mine if you're juggling resources and financially and everything else. Or if you just need a place to start without any investment, focus on housekeeping and go right into the manual material handling and see what your real needs are and if you need some additional support. 
that will definitely help you with the budget process. Yeah, and it seems like easy things that can be applied quickly. So uh, thank you, Forrest, for bringing those quick hitter uh, bisping for your bucks. We appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this episode of Frequently Asked Questions, Safety Edition with Forrest Richardson. It was really great to have him on again and talking with us about some areas of focus for those all-important dollars that we spend and just helping us out with some OSHA heavy hitters as well. So thanks again for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast. We are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. To get started preventing injuries, visit our website at wellworkforce.com or email us at podcast at wellworkforce.com with any questions or comments. And remember, prevention improves lives.